and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me once again from the alternate dimension called Australia is Hamish. Welcome back. Hey. Wubba lubba dub dub. <laughs> hey, how you going? <laughs> doing good, doing good. Well, this week we watched one of the most fantastic animated shows on television today, the sci-fi story of a skittish 14-year-old and his adventures throughout space and time with his often inebriated scientist grandfather, the great Rick and Morty. So just before we start, a little background about this show. Uh, Rick and Morty was uh, created by Justin Roiland, who does the voices of Rick and Morty, and Dan Harmon. And uh, the two of them met at what's called Channel 101. It's like an L.A. monthly film festival. And people are invited to create content to submit, almost in the form of a pilot. And then people can vote on whether they want to see them continue as a a series of shorts. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, a funny or die type format. So uh, Justin Roiland, uh, I guess he was a reality show producer. And he was just so... Uh, frustrated by the creative limitations of his job, and he was eventually fired, which is fortunate for all of us, because he focused his newfound time and the creativity that he had towards creating content to submit to this Channel 101. And in 2006, he created a webisode entitled The Adventures of Doc and Marty. But Marty was spelt (laughs) M-H-A-R-T-I. Morty. Yeah, like Morty, yeah. Marty, Marty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you create something like that, it it, it seems very unique. Oh, to yeah, yeah. To, to a certain degree, I mean, you know, it, it's thanks to a lot of things on the internet. There's a lot of fan-made content, but especially his particular one had a very unique style to it. Yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, yeah, very unique, uh, very, mm. very vulgar versions of the Doc and Marty of Back to the Future. I mean, very clearly... I mean, just watching Rick and Morty, you can tell they're trying to access that type of vibe uh, without actually coming out and saying this is Back to the Future. But back back in the day, uh, the adventures of Doc and Marty were uh, <laughs> were a very close parody. And uh, it was a huge success at that Channel 101. So Justin Roiland went on to create more shorts featuring these two characters and their adventures. Uh, he then went on to do voice acting for Disney's uh, Fish Hooks, I believe it was called. Wow, I never got that. He did, was it House of Cosby's? Oh, I you don't... You see that? No. Oh, yeah, he did, I think he did this uh, thing called House of Cosby's, which is ridiculous. It's like, was a guy living in a house with, like, a bunch of different Cosby's? Like, they're all, like, they're all like, different versions of Bill Cosby, but they're all doing the same sort of, <laughs> same sort of Bill Cosby impression. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably something that wouldn't hold up too well mm. nowadays, but that's pretty funny. And, and Dan Harmon went on to create, of course, Community, which lasted for a few seasons. Uh, but uh, there was that problem in the middle. At some point, Dan Harmon got fired from his own show. <laughs> a very weird situation. Uh, that's a, that's for a whole other episode. But oh, yeah, uh, that's 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 a whole other episode. Plus, you can also watch documentary. Oh, is there a documentary about it too? Yeah, Harmon Town. It takes place after he gets fired from Community and what he did in between that time period. And it ends with basically uh, him getting his job back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's interesting to see what he did. He went actually, basically went on a, uh, an American tour uh, in a documentary, Harmontown, about him basically just doing his podcast and going from town to town, kind of just uh, doing it live and experiencing people. And also, at the same time, writing two pilots for like NBC. Huh. I, I think you were telling me one of the things he did work on during this 
hiatus from community, I guess you could call it, was uh, the Rick and Morty pilot. Yeah, he was apparently writing that during um, at, at the offices of community. Wow. Yeah. He's he's and he got to gay show back, and he also had Rick and Morty. So, hey, he's doing something right. Yeah, it worked worked out. It, it, and it was <laughs> weird because after he was fired, Adult Swim approached him because you mm. know here's this big name all of a sudden is kind of free, and so Adult Swim was kind of looking for some sort of sh- you know hit show that they can develop get developed by somebody that's a big name. And mm. Harmon had never worked in animation before, so he wasn't really sure about what he could do. And fortunately, he remembered Justin Roiland from Channel 101 and asked him if he had any ideas. And that's mm. when the Doc and Marty idea resurfaced. And uh, with a little help from Adult Swim, the uh, the format was changed a little bit. So now the show was extended to a half hour. The, uh, the main characters were renamed, wisely, Rick and Morty. The mm. uh, Smith family was added. They were not originally part of the the show and i believe it was nick weidenfeld who who's the uh, a, a producer of a lot of shows on adult swim he made the mm. suggestion that rick be morty's grandfather mm. rather than a crazy old scientist who's just dragging a kid around right exactly and uh, it, yeah kind of uh made everybody more cohesive in the family i guess but it, it made its debut on december 2nd 2013 there we go yeah it was a long journey but uh yeah now here we are, uh, almost uh, 10 years after that original pilot for Channel 101. Yeah, which it, it's interesting now to see that, um, yeah, they really picked up a lot, a huge fan base. Even though it takes them a while to get that show uh, animated and put together, it, it is worth the wait because the show is the most sci-fi thing out there. It's most crazy. It's, it, it is, it's, it's strange because like, like I watch many sci-fi shows like Fringe and you watch uh, Doctor Who and you, or you watch uh, Red Dwarf. Like Red Dwarf, I thought, was most one of the more ballsy sci-fi shows mm-hmm. uh like in one episode how you have was it lister basically becoming his own father uh which you know it, it makes sense because it involves time travel and parallel dimensions yeah uh and him getting having was it getting himself pregnant uh, getting pregnant by his female self so that's <laughs> that's that already sounds crazy but um yeah i mean this show is it, it's like there's still a core story to it but it's most it, it takes a story which seems completely insane and runs with it and it doesn't seem out of place for like the universe that they actually do set up within the show itself. And when they come back to, you know, the, the I guess the point of the story, it, it still makes sense. Like it actually has a, a certain core to it, like mostly via the point of Morty, because Morty's basically our access point to understanding what this whole world's about. Because he's a guy who has no idea what's going on. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're basically, we all uh, connect with Morty while Morty goes on this whole strange adventure into space. Or ending up with a sex robot, or things like that. Yes, there's some crazy storylines, just in the first season alone. Mm. Now, for today's episode, we watched the episode entitled, Close Rick Counters of the Rick Kind. It's the 10th episode of the first season. It originally aired April 7th, 2014, on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim Block. Now, now Hamish, where does this air in Australia? You can, I think you can still get it on um, Adult Swim, because we still have cable over here. Uh, or digital, like Foxtel, and things like that. So you can still watch it on, uh, yeah, you can access it easily enough. Or you can go online. I think you'll see it on, I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix at the moment. I think it's on Hulu. I believe it's Hulu. Um, yeah, it's on Hulu at the moment. Uh, and you can still watch it via the website uh, as well, which I found because I was checking out that you actually can just go to the website for Rick and Morty and watch it in Australia. So it isn't region locked. Uh, I think it's still not, not region locked until I think February. And then it basically gets region locked. And I guess more or less because like, I guess there'll be 
pushing out the DVD at mm. some point, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, you can watch it here in Australia, mostly on um, digital or ca- cable. Like, I haven't seen on free-to-air yet, but I don't know who would pick that show up. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's pretty fit for cable, I would say. Yeah, so it, it's more or less one of those shows where it's like, if you watch online, it's better online, while if you watch on free-to-air, it kind of, kind of screws up the flow a little bit. <laughs> now, what were your experiences with this show going into it? I know you were a fan before we even watched it for this podcast, <laughs> same with me, but uh, how did you even find this show in the first place? Uh, What was it? It was a couple of years ago. I think it was when, um, what was it, uh, Adult Swim were having the kind of like a pilot season, mm-hmm. I guess you call it. Like they had the, a whole bunch of different shows that they were piloting and there was, you could watch it from the website. Uh, and the first episode was the pilot episode. So the thing about it is like I didn't hear too much about it. It's more or less because they had a whole bunch of little uh, shorts and programs and things like that that they were uh, displaying. And I think it was it was like quite a few years ago, uh, two years ago, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. There was like a kind of pilot season for Adult Swim. Uh, and so I watched it online and like... It's more or less, at first, if you don't understand how they put the show together, you think this is, it's like a, a mistake. Like, you think like, oh, this audio dubbing is awful. This doesn't seem to work well. Are they just animating ra- random rubbish now? Because the style that they do is, uh, was it retro scripting, where he basically has an, uh, a kind of idea of where he wants the story to go and fills in the blanks and basically just, you know, takes the story and says whatever comes to his mind, but just has to fill in that kind of story. So, yeah. you know, if you want, like, characters are flying in a spaceship and then they land somewhere and then they get out, you basically you don't have any words for it. You basically make it up as you go along. I'm sure there is a, probably a rough script, but, um, yeah, when I first experienced it, it was it was an episode where, yeah, the pilot episode where he basically wakes Morty up in the middle of the night to t- take him to a planet <laughs> to steal, <laughs> well, steal, steal mega seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because it, it is that kind of haphazard uh, voice work, which when you find it, it's, it's just one guy doing two voices. You're like, oh, it must be cost saving or something like that. But it's interesting cause for the fact that he, he he basically just got this show, which was obviously was basically short, and they allowed him to still keep his process of this kind of like, uh, I don't know, it feels more like a, like a kind of naturalistic two people talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah, this whole... Yeah, the way he retroscripts it. Uh, and it still feels natural for the fact that it doesn't have the same sort of, I guess, scripted moments like Family Guy or, Family Guy or Simpsons, where it's like one person talks and then another person talks. It's basically two people and they kind of overlay it as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have Morty getting out of bed and complaining about, like, what, what, what's this? What, what, what? I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, he's, you know, stammering and muttering. And, you know, in normal cartoons, they wouldn't actually allow that unless it's part of the joke where it's like a character going, what, what, what? Yeah, yeah. Well, with him, it's like a naturalist kind of, you know, just falling out of his mouth going, what, I just, what, what, I get in your... It feels natural, especially for uh, uh, Rick and his complaints and his verbal crutch of just using Morty basically in every sentence <laughs> and belching as he speaks. <laughs> yeah, which which it's funny because like apparently, um, if you listen to the process of how he actually makes that, he actually has to he drinks like a uh, low carbonated beer and soft drink to get that get those burps, and so he does a take <laughs> where he reads it normally, and then he does a take where he wants to do a burp take and redoes the line again. Uh, but he just you know, slips in a burp. So he can't naturally just burp. I can do it, which I found out when I was, I think, 12. I can actually just naturally burp yeah. if I need to. Burp on command. Uh, but yeah, my experience with the show was most like, it's it's it felt completely different. It had a completely different flavor to it and it had a completely different um, texture than most of those adult swim shows, especially like Archer or, um, 
or uh, Venture Brothers, yeah, which are great shows as well. And you watch them like, and they're very scripted. So you watch this, and it's like, it's it's very it's rogue in a way. You know, you, you don't not sure how it's gonna work. Right, right. So you know, for the first couple episodes, you're like, eh, this is growing on me, and it's great because it's just it's wild stuff. It is crazy, and it's mm. it's silly. It's very funny. It doesn't take itself seriously at all, but uh, mm. it's uh, super nerdy, super sci-fi. And uh, you know, after Futurama, I didn't think we'd see any other show get so crazy into sci-fi. But uh, here we are. Mm. Now, do you get the comic book in Australia? Have you read any of those? We get comic books, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not comic books. The Rick and Morty comic book. Uh, yes, uh, we do get the comic book down here. Uh, the uh, Adventure Time comic book down here as well, along with all that Adventure Time craziness. Oh, yeah. um, there's a sh- there's a shop in Melbourne called Minotaur, which has like all sci-fi, retro, c- cult stuff that you can find. Like basically from Doctor Who to Adventure Time to if you want to see action figures of the band Kiss, they've got those. <laughs> uh, Back to Future DeLorean, all three of them in one pack. You can go to Minotaur. Uh, yeah, we so we get the comic uh, down here, and yeah, the the guys in that. I think you've sent me one. And there yep. was one with uh, a whole story of ball fondlers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which well, I wish I wish that was a real series. Don't be surprised if someday it it, it actually becomes a real thing. But yeah, that, mm. and that's a uh, the joke of that is that the name really has nothing to do with anything. It's more of like an A team type of mercenary group mm. with just a, a crazy name and i love that episode too i forget which one that is but uh where they just kind of tap into this intergalactic interdimensional cable box and they get to watch all these crazy channels mm. uh, it's it's very funny like the uh, was it universe where everything was everything's corn <laughs> yes <laughs> uh and then there's was it uh that garfield knockoff called gazorposaur field Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have Lorenzo Music still doing the voice of Garfield. Well, a Lorenzo Music type. Mm. And then they did make that whole reference to uh, Ghostbusters TV show and the Ghostbusters movie and then talking about how um, <laughs> the difference between the movie of Garfield is Bill Murray doing the voice of Garfield and the voice of um, Bill Murray on Ghostbusters Lorenzo Music who does the voice of Garfield in the cartoon. Yeah, very strange. I don't know, but that's the thing. This show actually references something which... I'm not sure if it's even in their reality. It's like they live in a reality which is still part of our pop fiction. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's true. Everything <laughs> except Back to the Future, I guess. Yeah, it's like Back to the Future doesn't exist, but everything else does. <laughs> but again, it's a multiverse out there. It's crazy. Yes, this uh, this show relies heavily on, uh, I-, I guess it would be the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. Where, not to get too nerdy, but, you know, if you think of the Schrodinger's cat experiment, where the it's a superposition of states, but the universe splits so that both uh, outcomes are correct. It's just, you just happen to be in one of the two universes, and they just split and branch off with every possible uh, combination or every possible outcome. And, uh, yeah, so we see, uh, it's almost like sliders. You know, where they have those portals, and there's every variation of, of their own universe, as well as so many others. So, uh, yeah, this uh, this gets a little complicated, and this is one of the more complicated episodes. I think it's mostly complicated when you look at the facts, and you try and um, understand it. Like, you can just let it wash over you and go, oh, this this entire universe of other adventures out there and other things. But, um, yeah, Rick and Morty seem to love playing with uh, alternate dimensions. And, you know, you don't need to explain alternate dimensions to me. I've grown up on alternate dimension sci-fi. 
I know what it's all about. I know <laughs> that there's probably another version of me who's doing this podcast, but it's all in reverse. Uh, and he has a mustache for no reason. Um, but yeah, it seems like like yeah. When you mention when you mention things like sliders, uh, or if I mention something like you know fringe, which use that was a big uh, arc point with the parallel dimensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a show that really kind of goes all right. Let's how far can we take this parallel dimension idea? And like they do so many stories of it, but they're all unique and valid. All right, so let's get right into this episode. So we open at the Smith home with the family just eating breakfast. We see Beth voiced by Sarah Chalk, and she reminds her father, Rick, uh, that tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of his return to their lives. And she's even going to celebrate by making him flying saucer-shaped pancakes. And Rick nicely tells her that, you know, regular pancakes are fine. And all of a sudden, (laughs) next to the table, this green energy portal forms, and from it emerges an alternate universe Rick and Morty. And uh, this Rick is much different than uh, than the Rick we're used to, as well as the Morty. I believe he has a black shirt and uh, a scar over his mouth. Yeah, that 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 means you're evil. Uh, it has to. It has yeah. to be. In all uh, the books, if you have a scar, different shirt to the other version of yourself, evil. Yes, and Morty is uh, evil as well. His accompanying Morty because he has an eye patch. Ugh, so evil. <laughs> so the alternate universe Rick, I don't think he even says a word. He just immediately shoots Rick through the head with a laser bolt. And the alternate universe Morty tranquilizes Morty with a dart from his gun. And the Smith family screams. And the alternate Rick and Morty drag the unconscious Morty with them through the portal. And we immediately cut to the opening sequence of the show. And uh, the show's open is pretty funny. We get all these science fiction elements. We get action scenes from the series. There's all kinds of crazy aliens and adventures. And uh, a sci-fi sounding theme. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a B-movie type of theme, instrumental theme. Which actually came from uh, a show which Justin Rowland was working on called Dog World. Oh, really? Yeah, it was basically the music he was going to use for another TV show called Dog World. But it got, unfortunately, didn't get picked up. Uh, but he kept the music. And you can actually can see uh, an opening animatic for it. Like you can probably find it online. I think it's actually on maybe one of the DVDs. But you actually can find a, the opening animatic online. And yeah, the music's basically the opening for that show, where it's basically a guy who's in a world filled with dogs. Which is basically <laughs> the joke that you find in, was it episode two or episode three? Lawnmower Dog? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Where the you know, dogs are about to take over the world. And at the end of the episode, Rick says, he's like, you know, yeah, imagine that. Oh, what was it? They talk about like, Morty's like, wow, a world of dogs. Imagine that. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'd watch that, you know. <laughs> Maybe for like, you know, five minutes of pop. Basically, it's just him riffing on the idea of, you know, saying, hey, uh, that would have been a great idea, but all right, I'm doing Rick and Morty now. That's great. No, I never yeah. even knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, that was his uh, idea before Rick and Morty. So he, yeah, he basically just reused the music from his uh, aborted show. And when we return from the opening sequence, we see the Smith family once again enjoying breakfast at their home. Beth wishes her father Rick a happy anniversary and presents him with a stack of pancakes with a lit candle at the center. And uh, Rick remarks that he understands now that pancakes are already shaped like flying saucers. And they continue to eat breakfast when all of a sudden, here's another green energy portal seen forming next to the table. And emerging from this one are three alternate Ricks. They're actually police Ricks, as I found out in my research. Uh, They all have lab coat uniforms, but they carry large weapons. They have weapons on their legs, and they have patches and badges. 
and one of the Ricks addresses the Rick at the table, calling him Rick Sanchez of Earth Dimension C-137. And uh, this is kind of a point of contention among fans, because it's not really defined whether the actual Earth is Earth Dimension C-137, or rather that's where they're living currently. Mm. Uh, it's, It's not really clearly defined, because they did take over another dimension belonging to another Rick and Morty. So it's not really clear. Oh, yeah, true. I mean, you know, you're right about that. I was thinking about the same thing. It's like, how can he be part of, uh, is he part of this universe or he's just taking the place of this universe, like pretending to be the other the other Rick and Morty that were in this universe? Yeah. But again, that would explain, well, that means the other ones, the Cronenberg, Rick and Morty have done the same thing, would have swapped Yeah. from one universe to another. See, when you start trying to think about it, <laughs> it, it starts, starts confusing and then you forget about what you're talking about plus parallel dimensions and we haven't even gotten into this this is a very complicated episode I know this, this, but, is, this, is, this is pretty early really early on but I'm going to try my best to differentiate between the police Ricks the council of Ricks and our Rick and our Morty uh, as best as I can but as far as you know this goes this is Rick Sanchez of Earth Dimension C-137 this is our Rick so Rick Classic yes <laughs> <laughs> so so he tells Rick that he's under arrest for crimes against alternate Ricks by the authority of the Transdimensional Council of Ricks. Now Jerry Smith, the father of the family, voiced by Chris Parnell, stands up seemingly to demand an explanation, and one of the Ricks is instructed to neutralize the Jerry, which he does by just freezing him with the gun. And uh, Rick stands up, not really upset, or anything he's just seemingly annoyed you know for because he's his breakfast has been interrupted and he tells the smith family not to worry they just want to haul him to the stupid clubhouse waste his time with a bunch of questions <laughs> and the police ricks also instruct him to bring this dimensions morty as well and if you notice the alternate rick in charge also belches while he speaks <laughs> so this seems to be a, a very common trait amongst most ricks across all universes they all seem to be, uh, you know, a little, have a little bit of a drinking problem. Who doesn't have a drinking problem? <laughs> I mean, I, I love mean, water. Oh yeah, I, lo- I love drinking all that liquid. Liquid. <laughs> Basically, that's gonna be my ad pitch. Liquid. Hmm, that's good. Oh, there's our commercial. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting paid by big H2O. <laughs> Can't escape them. Well, you so, know, our planet is, was it 80% or something? 60, 70% water? What well, I don't know, man. I'm made uh, of water. What am I talking about? Another commercial. Are you getting paid? Yeah, I am. Like I told you, big water is paying me. <laughs> well, big H2O. So Rick objects to having Morty taken away, but the alternate Rick tells him that he refused to join the council, so he no longer has a say in any of these matters. So as Rick, Morty, and all of the police Ricks exit through the portal, they unfreeze Jerry, who we find out was kind of in the middle of offering them his antique coin collection in exchange for not being hurt. Then Jerry clarifies that the coins aren't really antiques. They're just kind of like quarters that have little R2-D2s on them instead of George Washington's. And Beth was not happy about Jerry buying them. <laughs> now, I don't know if this was a thing in Australia, Hamish, but uh, for a stretch, uh, starting in, I believe, 1999, in the U.S., we had are, you know, 25-cent quarters, mm-hmm. uh, feature different states on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was going to be five, 
every year for 10 years. And that was going to be all 50 states of the United States. Mm. And they were just kind of like these collectible things. And uh, a lot of companies put out these like big uh, maps that you could stick your quarters in for keepsakes. Cause you know, those are going to increase in value. Oh, that's amazing. And not only that, like in the newspaper, along with those coupon books that, uh, you know, old people love, they would sell like, how about the, uh, the Tennessee quarter, but instead of George Washington, we put a Elvis sticker on it, you know, and this is going to be a collectible that's going to be worth a ton of money. It's literally a sticker? Well, it's almost like, um, it's not a sticker. It's almost like a silk screened application. It, it's a, it's almost like a paint press thing hmm. that's on it. Yeah. It's very, very strange. I don't even know if it's legal. It's almost like defacing currency, but... Uh, actually, we actually do have, in the same way, uh, commemorative coins, I guess to say. And you can buy those kind of coins, those specialty coins, where it's like, oh, look, it's it's a coin of... Um, oh, I'm trying to think of... All I can think of is like Australian talent here in Australia. Paul Hogan. I realized, no... Yeah, let's say Paul Hogan, because <laughs> obviously he's he's coin worthy. I was about to say, like, if, if you got Jimmy Barnes on a coin... And then I realized, you guys probably don't know who Jimmy Barnes is. <laughs> um, so that's the thing. It's like, you, we do have those coins. You can buy them usually from the post office. But also the Mint also uh, run a series of uh, command of coins, like things for a Remembrance Day. Like, actually, is a series. I even got one the other day, uh, a $2 coin, which if you look at, if you go online, look at the normal Australian $2 coin, it looks like a $2 coin. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? Uh, but this one's different. It has like, a, it's like a, a sun, like a sunset on, not it's a sunset, like a sun or like an orange sun on the coin itself. Uh, and I put some of these out in circulation. And the thing is that they, you can get the commemorative set, and you can, you can just find them regularly in circulation. But they actually made it so you actually can see the two differences. Like the commemorative coin is basically has a C, which is built into the middle of the coin. Mm-hmm. It's middle of the sun. Like there's like a big circle, and there's a little circle in the middle, and it has a C on it. So you can know those are the commemorative coins. And the regular ones have nothing on it like that. They just look like the uh, imagery. Uh, and also, I realized I'm talking about coins. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but I used to, you know, if you want me to talk about stamps, I can talk about those as well. <laughs> well, see, the, no, but the thing I'm trying to say is, like, those sound like they were minted by the government and they're actually real in circulation. Mm. These things, if I yeah, if yeah. I use these to buy, you know, a can of soda, they would be like, all right, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to pass off as actual <laughs> money, but <laughs> you can keep your Elvis quarters. Like these were actually put out by companies trying to sell you, hey, here's mm. five quarters, but it's going to cost you ten dollars. So of course they're going to make a profit on that. But um, yeah, those coins, Commodore coins. I don't know. Can you use them in vending machines though? Not these. Not not the ones that that Jerry bought. The, those I, I don't see them too much anymore. Uh, being advertised, well, but uh, well, specifically R two D two coins. No, you. I don't think. I don't think you could. <laughs> I think those exist. I'm sure they exist. We've had the whole wave of Star Wars stuff. So there's Star Wars. I'm sure there's something out there. Yeah. If we if we could, we'd probably change our entire currency to Star Wars. <laughs> Republic credits. Yeah, and the lowest and lowest denomination will be a Jar Jar. Oh yeah, that's true. Get get into a fight. I have a roll of Jar Jars ready to go. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, well anyway back to the episode um yes we cut next to a large floating series of platforms and they're in orbit over a gas cloud in space i don't think they're over a planet but uh, each platform is covered with a giant glass dome it's almost reminiscent of cloud city from empire strikes back it's like a large space station and this we find out is called the citadel of ricks it is the secret headquarters for the Council of Ricks. Uh, also a fun fact, apparently it was modeled off uh, the Citadel in uh, Mass Effect. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Uh, if you listen to commentary with Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, they talk about that. They wanted to make it look like uh, the Citadel from uh, Mass Effect, but also legal. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so they don't. So no one's going to sue them. <laughs> it's a, it's a loving tribute. Yeah. Now, on a side note, the concept of this council is actually a parody of the Interdimensional Council of Reeds from the Fantastic Four comics. Now, let me just give you a brief history here, and I'll try to make it as brief as possible. Uh, it made its first appearance in Fantastic Four number 570, that's October 2009, and it's a super long and convoluted plot, but the basic premise is that Nathaniel Richards, who is the father of Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, the guy that stretches... Uh, he was pulled from his universe and forced to fight against other versions of himself from other universes. And only one Nathaniel Richards survived, and that happened to be the one from main Marvel Comics continuity, which is referred to as Earth-616, or at least at the time it was Earth-616. So as a result, every other Reed Richards grew up as this uncaring, just science-oriented super genius. And three of those reads acquired their universe's version of the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, if you don't know what that is, just wait. You'll see it in the movies soon enough. And uh, they used those to form this council in a space between universes uh, to focus all of their time and energy on, like, scientific advancement and dealing with galactic threats. And uh, it, it was just this council of reads. It was all the Reed Richards, because Reed Richards in the comics is supposedly the most brilliant man on Earth, one of the bril most brilliant minds in the galaxy. and so A.K.A. a nerd. It, well, a massive nerd. Exactly, exactly. And so this was <laughs> bringing all of the, their most brilliant minds together. Of course, the only Reed Richards not willing to sacrifice everything back home for the good of the council was the only Reed not to be orphaned, which was our Reed Richards, the Reed Richards of Earth-616. Of course, this council didn't last long. At the same time, there was a battle with a group of Celestials from another Marvel universe. They wanted this universe-hopping technology to take over all of reality, because of course, why not? And some of the reeds died, and the Earth-616 reed deactivated the bridge between dimensions. So it was a nice thought, but it didn't last long. Mm. So that, that's what we're dealing with here. I know, but isn't that typical of Reed Richards? He's such a... Yeah, he's such a nerd. He's a buzzkill. He he's a buzzkill. He's been a, he's he's a buzzkill, and also he'll t teach you how to kill the buzz. Also, he'll create the buzz and then kill it himself. <laughs> he's just that's one thing I never understood about Reed Richards. Like he's he seems like a nice stand-up guy when you look at him, but when you understand him, he's a psychopath. <laughs> you know, it's like in the Civil War series. He he basically goes like, "Well, where are we gonna put all the superheroes? I know we'll put them in that negative zone, which I found. Yeah, I'm gonna get all my friends who have played poker with." And just hang out with, and who have helped save the universe. And uh, I'm just gonna, you know, be like a prison guard and put them into a, my uh, alternate dimension thing I have here. And even going before that, hey, I, I got this uh, experiment I want to try. How about I bring my girlfriend, you know, her brother, my best friend. Let's all go up into space and see what happens. You know? Yeah, it's it's a casual adventure. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you guys aren't exactly trained. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. It's all good. It'll be okay. And and then like the fallout from that is like oh no we've all got superpowers hey guys let's all be superheroes this would be a great idea and it's like Reed how about we just figure out a cure and you'll just figure this out it's like do you know what I have a cure but let's not do that now I'm just going to another situation talking about comic books but you know well you know that's what this is heavily based on it's just uh, 
it, it was kind of cool when I first heard Council of Ricks. I'm like, oh, that's great. The Council of Reeds, such an obscure comic reference. And uh, mm. it was pretty neat to see that here. And, and such a smart idea, especially since we're dealing with the multiverses of the, you know, Rick and Morty universe. So, hmm. But also falls into the idea of um, Doctor Who as well uh, with the Council and Gallifrey. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's usually someone, you know, because you have the Doctor traveling through time and space, and then you think, oh, man, he can just do whatever he wants, and you realize, no, 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 there's a, there's a, literally guys have rules against all this stuff, and what he's doing is completely wrong. So it fits into that kind of same idea where it's like, uh, the reason the Doctor does what he does is because he wants to actively help the universe, while um, the Time Lords back in Gallifrey are like, no, no, you should just let it be. We just monitor things and just let it go. Mm. So basically, yeah, that's that's also a good reference, especially for those outfits that the Council of Rick are wearing. Yes, it's, it's the Council of Ricks. It's pretty yeah. funny, yeah. So, well, so cutting into inside to the the Citadel here, we see that it's really this large, beautiful city. These Ricks put in a lot of work, and it's populated w- with Ricks and their corresponding Mortys. There are fountains, walkways, large Rick statues. We'll we'll see later on that there's businesses, there's nightclubs. Uh, there's people advertising things for Rick's by Rick's and, mm. uh, Morty asks Rick for an explanation and Rick tells Morty that he has a lot of enemies in the universe that consider his genius a threat and a lot of versions of him had the same problem. So a few thousand versions had the ingenious idea of banding together and as Rick <laughs> describes it, like a herd of cattle or a school of fish or those people who answer questions on Yahoo Answers. there's a great moment here where Rick and Morty continue to be escorted through the Citadel and Morty's looking around and he's noticing more versions of himself that are slightly different. Uh, We see, I believe there's a cowboy Rick and Morty. Yeah, there's a cowboy Rick and Morty. I think there's a like aqua fish Rick and Morty. There's a blue shirt Morty. Yeah, there's a Cyclops Rick and Morty and then the the Cronenberg Rick and Morty, which are from a previous episode. Nice little callback there. Mm -hmm. And there's Robot Rick and Morty. And then there's the Salesman Ricks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who won't leave them alone. There's a couple of them. Hmm. And, and they try to sell uh, some some uh, Morty Dazzlers. Like a little, You can buy accessories for your Morty to jazz them up a little bit. And Morty Insurance. <laughs> Morty Insurance, which is great. <laughs> uh, there's even Talking Morty Dolls. Oh, yeah. Show me the Morty. <laughs> That's hilarious. And that's it's like this, like, well, you know, he, he wants to make a buck somehow. And I guess in their um, civilization of Morty, they're going to make money somehow. And, well, why not? Yeah. I'm glad we're, we're watching this version of Rick and Morty and not the Rick that has to wake up every morning, travel to the Citadel with his Morty Dazzler necklaces and, and try to sell them to the other Ricks all day. Yeah, we're, we're with the Rick and Morty who are above all this stuff. It, it is funny because, like, you think of it from your point of view, it's like, because uh, they've already set up the idea of this uh, parallel dimensions and parallel universes out there uh, for Rick and Morty. This doesn't feel out of place, uh, which is that, you know, the idea that there's a whole story arc within the entire series of Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. but it's not a strong one, it's a very subtle one. And so, because of the setup they already did with, you know, the Cronenberg Mortys, uh, in was it uh, Love Potion number nine? Yes. Or Rick Potion number nine. And then there's the Parallel Universe TV shows, and then we have this. It, it still sets things up to make it, you know, you make you understand like, oh, there's a whole other universe of things happening out there, and you know, the craziness that we're experiencing happens to these two guys who, you know, don't want to be a part of this whole thing, but they also accept it. Like, you know, so Rick doesn't like it, but he knows that, you know, I guess out of all the variables in the whole universe, is probably. Well, other Ricks doing the exact same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you can understand that, you know, with this whole idea that it's other Ricks, that you start questioning the entire show in certain ways, like maybe the Rick that we have isn't exactly the original Rick that we know. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're taken down this long corridor where they reach this giant set of doors leading to a large open room. Uh, it's filled with more Ricks and Mortys, as well as six Ricks that sit in an elevated, I guess, podium in these chairs. And these Ricks are the Council of Ricks. We get a closer view of the council, and like you said, they're much different. We, they each have uh, different hairstyles. Their lab coats are gold-trimmed with high collars. And I believe in the commentary, Dan Harmon mentions that uh, they're so full of themselves, they're, they literally have to make themselves look different from the other Ricks. Yeah, that, that explains the hairstyles. <laughs> Now, Rick and Morty are brought into the center of the room, and one of the council members asks for the holograms to be brought up, and we see this large view screen materialize, and on it we see the deaths of at least seven different Ricks from alternate dimensions. Uh, there's a lot of different Rick deaths depicted there. One has been decapitated, one was stabbed, one hung, one stabbed with a spear, and one actually had his head shoved up his own butt. <laughs> I like how they got away with that one. Yeah, yeah. They they mentioned that on the commentary, too. They're like, oh, I guess they didn't care about that one. Also, I think there's a Fargo reference of one of the Ricks being put into a wood chipper. Yes, there is. Yeah, I didn't notice that until my <laughs> second viewing. Because it changes. That that view screen, I didn't realize. It switches around a little bit. Because mm. there's a lot of them. The, the council leader, which I believe his name is Rick Prime. I wasn't able to find that, but I believe that's what they call him in the game Pocket Mortys. But uh, I'll call him Rick Prime, because I believe that's what he's called in the game. Not so much in this episode, but he's the leader of the council. And he informs them that 27 Ricks have been brutally murdered in their own timelines, which he calls an unprecedented Rickicidal epidemic. There's a lot of Rick puns in this episode, in case you didn't get enough Ricks already. Mm, I think he also uses the term ridiculous yes, quite a few times. Yes, that comes up quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rick is upset that they think he's even involved. He's asked why he's brought in there whenever there's some sort of problem, and he's told it's because he has a history of non-cooperation with the council. And Rick tells the council, hey, you know, I'm not the only one. There's also the scientist formerly known as Rick. He also has problems with them. And he asks, why isn't he here in handcuffs as well? And they point to another hologram saying that he's dead. And we cut to the holograms to see that uh, there is an alternate Rick, and he's dressed like Prince in a purple suit, and he's also been murdered. That was the, the scientist formerly known as Rick, which I'd like to see a little more of that character and what his life is like. I'm so glad that that reference still exists today, All, ever since like the mid-90s onwards, with Prince's Alice Foley known as Prince. And then he became, was it Symbol for a while or something like that? Yes. He's just like a symbol? Yeah. Golly. It's like, that guy has really had a lot of gear shifts in his life, <laughs> you know? But yeah, I'm so glad that they, <laughs> there actually is one Rick who, you know, embodies the ideas of Prince. Yeah. You know, that time. And I wonder if his Morty plays the drums or something. Maybe. <laughs> unless he's, he's, his one comes from like the Jackson family or something like that, and it's, it's Tito or something like that. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You never know. There's every, every possible permutation here. Because I couldn't imagine that, like, you know, it's like a Rick and Morty, or like Morty is like Michael Jackson. I couldn't imagine that. You know, no. he hasn't he hasn't got the, the the ability apparently across these universes to carry, you know, to pull that off. Yeah, some things are consistent amongst all the Ricks and all the Mortys, and yeah, it'd be hard to find a Morty possessing that much talent. I think the best I could you could probably hope for is Falco. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> Mo Morty in that universe is Falco. 
I don't know. Uh, I wasn't going to say Rock Me Amadeus. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick Prime goes on to explain that Rick fits the profile perfectly because, you know, he's the malcontent, evidently, the rogue of all of the Ricks. Rick tries to defend himself, saying that he is the Rick, and so is everyone else, until they formed their own government as a way of being safe from the government. So, in turn, they are all less Rick than him. And, of course, the entire room of Rick and Morty's begins to angrily murmur at this idea. Rick demands to be released so he can go home and finish that stack of pancakes. And he goes on to explain, you know, that they are just about to hit that critical point of syrup absorption that turns the cakes into a gross paste. That's true. I mean, that's, that is true. That's the most important thing. I love a good pancake. And if, if, if pancake goes bad, you can't do anything about it. You can't reverse engineer that. No, there's a, you just have to deal with there's it. There's a window there. And the thing is, in Australia, we have, like, um, near where I live, there's a 24-hour pancake parlor. Right, they make pancakes. They also make steak and things like that. But don't worry about that. <laughs> pancakes is where it's at. And I'm not kidding you. It's open 24 hours. I've I've had nights where I've been with my mates and we've gotten quite refreshed on liquids, mm-hmm. and ended up at three o'clock in the morning going there <laughs> to eat a nice stack of pancakes. And do you know what? It's refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not, not like a big tall glass of water, but more or less you wake up the next day and you don't feel as refreshed as you were. Or the lingering effects of being refreshed from the night before. Overly refreshed. You have to sneak in but those yeah, water plugs. You, yeah, I gotta... I'm <laughs> making that big, big H2O. When it comes to, yeah, when it comes to pancakes, uh, I'm all about that stuff. I mean, the th- if you can get them really thick, like a cake, but it's just a pancake, I'll be impressed. But I had... A, yeah, again, my friend was able to make these solid pancakes, which, you know, absorbed syrup... Not at a quick rate, and it, you know, it didn't really become gooey, but it was like it was good. It was solid. It was great. Also, what are we talking about again? <laughs> I'm, I'm all about the pancakes right now. I know, I know. Rick well, and Morty. There we go. I'm back. I'm back. Well, one Rick and Morty. One important question I have about pancakes: Do you guys in Australia have IHOP, the International House of Pancakes? No. See, there you go. You heard <laughs> it here first. What I'm a sorry. fraud! Not an international house of pancakes. I'm, isn't it supposed to be like the, the pancakes inside the place? Like, are supposed to be international flavored? Not like they're supposed to be all over the place? Because, like, I don't think there's one... I don't think there's an IHOP in Guam. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. uh, it might be. might be Guam is part of the United States, so maybe. Are we sure? I'm sure it's part of the United States. Well, no, I mean, I- <laughs> <laughs> IHOP. Maybe I, there's I a, have no I, idea. Maybe there's an IHOP Zeppelin or something like that that's flying around the planet going, Ah, now we're here. Now we're technically in another country, so internationally... That's what we're all about. I think we've covered pancakes. <laughs> no, no, so no. Just going... <laughs> no, no. Maple syrup covers pancakes. You can oh, put butter man. on there if you want. Oh, my goodness. So so Rick further appeals to the Ricks, and he, he says that, you know, I think we all like fluffy discs of cake with syrup on top, and I think we all like to be accused of crime when there's evidence. And <laughs> Rick Prime agrees that evidence is a good idea, and he orders some of the police Ricks to scan Rick's portal gun. So they take Rick's portal gun out of his pocket. They place it, like, right into this computer, which gives a large display of all of the alternate timelines that that Rick has visited. And Rick asks them, you know, no, don't look at my portal gun history, claiming that they've all gone to weird places. But Rick Prime points out that it seems that Rick has been going to the exact timelines and locations in which these 27 murders occurred. And, of course, Rick here calls the accusations Rick Ridiculous and claims that it's all a setup. And Rick Prime stands up and he tells 
Earthrick, C-137, that's our Rick, that the Council of Ricks sentences him to the Machine of Unspeakable Doom, which swaps the conscious and unconscious minds, rendering his fantasies pointless, while everything he's known becomes impossible to grasp, and, uh, oh yeah, every ten seconds, it, uh, stabs him in the male area. <laughs> Rick doesn't want anything to do with this, of course. He says he's heard enough, and he pulls out a laser gun. He begins firing around the council chambers and tells Morty to run. And he runs by the computer, grabbing his portal gun on the way out. And both Rick and Morty run down the hallway in an attempt to escape. And as they're chased by police Ricks, he fires back some portals. It's really cool. And as he does, it unleashes all kinds of hazards from alternate worlds. I think there's some fire that shoots out of one. There's like uh, carnivorous insects, some tentacled aliens, all kinds of crazy things jumping out of these portals. Hmm. Uh, They finally reach this tall balcony at the exterior of the building and leap over the railing. And after firing a portal into the platform below, uh, they kind of jump down and successfully exit through that portal. It almost reminds me of uh, the portal video games. You can kind of pull off that trick. Hmm. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? Also, uh, it's uh, he has a lot of faith in his portal gun working. That's what I say when you jump out of something. I mean, it looks it looks totally dramatic, but when he jumps out of uh, a high level just to shoot, like it seems to be just the pad there, like a kind of like a, a helicopter pad, just for this yeah. one particular trick that he's pulling off. <laughs> he could have just fired it at the wall and walked through, but yeah. But instead, he just wants to be dramatic and jump. I guess. But maybe there's a specific point he has to actually um, put it in, because if you ever play the game, there's a game you can actually play of Rick and Morty. Uh, not the mobile game, but uh, on the Adult Swim website, where you have to get Morty out of this universe of socks. Like, yeah, it's a planet of socks, a universe of socks. And mm-hmm. he actually has to go to a specific place to fire the portal, or to get into the portal. Okay. Yeah, so maybe... So maybe location matters. Yeah, maybe location does matter. But again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It's only a show. <laughs> well... Well, before we cut now to where they end up, I I think we should go back and talk about this new game that just uh, made its debut on uh, the uh, Apple Store, and I I think Android as well, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think it came out uh, Android, uh, basically on all devices at the moment, yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, Pocket Mortys, and you've been playing this. I've been seeing your tweets about it. Hamish, back in the day, used to play a game called Pokemon, and he played it a lot. And also, it was an international, world-leading game of addictive proportions yes, where huge. yeah where monsters or pocket monsters would fight each other and i remember playing it quite a bit especially like into like three four o'clock in the morning some days <laughs> more or less because it's just it, it's it's an addictive game uh that's what pokemon was the original pokemon not the newer stuff the newer stuff has become so i don't know i, I can't keep up with it. it's like gold like after gold and silver then there's like Diamond, ruby, banana, hat stand, tree, I don't know. <laughs> and there's like magic Pokemon, and there's wood magic, and there's like water magic. And I like the simple basics of the original, where it's like, you know, water and fire and magic. But yeah, it's it's the game really feeds into that kind of uh, addiction that I had when I was a kid playing the Pokemon. When it came out, like, I, you know, it, it looks like Pokemon. It, it plays like a very simplified version of Pokemon. Uh, and it takes place in the universe of, uh, uh, of Rick's. You know, the Council of Ricks. Yeah. Where basically you get your pole gun uh, confiscated until you can prove you're responsible. So the Council of Ricks has told you to go out and you <laughs> collect badges from other Ricks from other dimensions while using Mortys to fight other Mortys. 
<laughs> so the Pokemon monsters, the, the actual Pokemon are Mortys. And instead of Ash and the other characters that command them, it's Rick and the alternate Ricks. And I think Jerry's in there too. Yeah, yeah for some reason Jerry's there and, he's, and they make a reference to Jerry's game. Which is also, yeah, it's a balloon popping game you can get from the App Store, uh, which is a real game you can play. Uh, you see, oh, that's fine. Uh, you see him playing it in one of the other episodes, but yeah, it's a real game you can play called Jerry's Game. And <laughs> and he's and you talk to him and he says like, I think I'm really getting to this Morty fad beats popping balloons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you basically play our version of Rick, Rick Classic. And you go around <laughs> collecting Mortys. You also have original Morty, I guess Morty Prime, Morty One, original Morty, which you can't get out of your team. Like you can collect up to, I think it was you get five Mortys, but you can't get rid of your classic original Morty. But so you go around collecting Mortys, fighting other Ricks with your Mortys, or fighting other aliens as well, because mm-hmm. you also meet aliens who, which they're reusing some of the character models from the other episodes of uh, Rick and Morty. But as you go around this land, yeah, yeah, there's like a at, at the original a Council of Ricks uh, location. There's like a health center with a nurse, Rick, that's going to heal up your uh, Mortys. And then there's a daycare center hosted by Rick. It can take care of your Mortys or your variety of Mortys. Or you can combine Mortys to make another Morty. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect. Is the the rock, scissor, or paper style? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Because you thought like it's going to be complicated where it's going to be like you know some of these other games where they make it kind of complicated for you. No, no, this one's like the base level of knowledge of what beats another thing. So you don't need yeah. to be told like, oh, fire beats, you know, fire can go and beat grass Pokemon or water can go beat fire. And it's like, you know, yeah. those, those, those are pretty obvious things. But with this, it's like just a typical paper, scissors, rock. You know. Yeah, simple enough. And and personally, I never played Pokemon. I, I just never got into it. I think I might have been just about 14 mm. when it kind of hit and I was more into comic books and stuff like that. So I never really played Pokemon uh, and just uh, never really get into it. So I, I, I tried playing Pocket Mortys. I stink at it. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate how comprehensive it is. And and with all, like, uh, I love Peace Morty, Mustache Morty, mm. Blue Shirt Morty. Mm. It's, it's interesting because of the fact, like, uh, I thought it was going to be really, like, you'd have to, it's one of those pay-to-play kind of things. And it really isn't. I mean, you can pay to no. get a, a, a Blitz and Chips coupon. But you yeah. also can get those in-game as well. And if you want to get some more coins, you just have to watch ads. That's it. Yeah. They don't really, you know, force you to buy anything. You can play the game as it is, which is the best part about it. And even though you can you can get beaten quite a bit, it's not too hard to actually just level up your Mortys and get back out there and fight other Mortys. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's got a good uh, level playing field. The game is, is, is one of those things which isn't going to force you to buy things. So it's very generous and going like, hey, just play the game. And if you lose... Keep playing; it's fine. But yeah. no, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very good that way. Where it's like you know, it actually it's it's a proper game. It actually has you know fun elements to it. It has a leveling up system, which is makes sense. The story is basically fits in the TV show and fits with the whole world. <laughs> uh, the design is amazing because it actually looks like uh, a proper Pokemon knockoff. Yes, it's great. Mm, but also has a, uh, its own little flavor of itself. Especially does that one Rick he can talk to where it's like I want to be the very best. <laughs> like no one ever was <laughs> but no no it, it's it's an amazing um, achievement for them to make something which is mirroring something so popular and it is it is highly addictive because after you get over the hump of losing a couple of times yeah you you, you get good and you meet other Ricks and other Mortys uh, I think I have I've leveled up one of my Mortys to being was it a skeleton Morty because he goes from 
veiny Morty to a skinless Morty or no skin Morty to a skeleton Morty. <laughs> I don't know what the progression is. It's like I, I, it's it's just you know the leveling up seems to get crueler and crueler to Morty. <laughs> yeah, there's wild Mortys that uh, that you can control with a chip. Yeah. And, of course, you have to weaken them before you apply the chip, which I didn't know. I just was like, oh, here's a rogue Morty, and I put a chip on him, and it blew up, uh, and it didn't do anything. Yeah, you got to get him down to the red zone. Yeah, and the crafting uh, element of that is pretty interesting, too. You pick up items. There's three that you can put on the crafting table, and any combination of two or three might give you a new item. Mm. And uh, it, it's pretty cool. I, I cheated and kind of looked to see what the recipes were, but it's fun to go and uh, try to make combinations on your own. Yeah, because you also can find these uh, items around the place. And it seems like you just have the base items and you can start building things from it. I mean, you can buy things yeah. from um, uh, Salesman Rick, but sometimes you just blend two objects together and you get like a health potion or a chip. Or at the moment, I'm trying to build a robot. If you have the right parts, like you just, again, you have the base level stuff and then you have to build on top of that. So it's, that's it. Like the building system for those objects is pretty robust where it's like, as long as you have the base objects and you kind of have a knowledge of, a certain knowledge of how things should go together. Yeah, you can start building things and then you can take those things that you've built and combine them with other things to create something else. Oh, cool. But again, it, it spends, it's like a lot of time sitting there kind of going, you know, matching things to different things. Like if you have turbulent juice, that seems to do a lot of work. Yeah. Turbulent juice. <laughs> there's, a, there's yeah, plutonic rock and uh, turbulent juice. And uh, and I combined a, uh, what is it, a circuit board, a cable, and a battery and made a motherboard. Yeah, you need that to it's make a robot. about as far as I got. Yeah. Now I'm just talking, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting hyped about the game. Well, no, see, that's, uh, that <laughs> is something I definitely wanted to bring up in this episode because yeah. we were talking about the, uh, the game on Twitter and, you know, talking about doing an episode about Rick and Morty and it just so happened we picked this episode and went, hey, wait a minute, this ties in perfectly to the idea of the game. So mm. I'm glad we got to uh, talk about this. And of course, a lot of the characters and scenes that we'll see in this episode also come into play in the video game. So it's a nice counterpart. To this episode. It's very... It's a Pokemon knockoff. Sure, you could say that. But to itself, it still fits with the show. And it's still very fun to play. And it is very addictive. And my battery has gone flat quite a few times. Because I've been <laughs> playing it. So I, I definitely recommend... Uh, you know, downloading Pocket Morty's. It is a free game, of course. And uh, like Hamish said, you can... You can spend money. There's a, you know, in-app purchases, they call it. Uh, but you don't have to do that. You can just uh, play it for free. So download it if you are over 18 and have parents permission <laughs> why'd you lower your voice to that last part <laughs> make sure you get your parents permission evil so going back to the episode here you know rick and morty just escaped through that portal and now we see where they end up and uh, <laughs> it's quite the world it's uh and uh, a world consisting of large farting butts accompanied by giant rolls of toilet paper and plungers and uh, as they continue to run they begin to be followed by those police ricks who also pass through this portal after them. It's just a disgusting world. Hmm. <laughs> it's so strange. So Rick fires another portal. They don't last here long, and they run through it, leading to another dimension where large, sentient slices of pizza sit in their living room, ordering people on their telephone. Hmm. This is the pizza world, or the pizza universe. Is it the pizza? It's a pizza one there, and they're asking for humans, or they're asking. For, yes. Yeah, asking to eat humans. Yeah. Yes, and, and here in this world, uh, ethnicities are like flavors or toppings. Mm. 
So, okay. <laughs> so Rick and Morty and the other Ricks run from one end of the room to a new portal at the other end and immediately exit this dimension. Uh, they next end up uh, at a greasy grandma world. <laughs> it's an entire world populated with old ladies covered in grease. And there is a banner above them that reads, Welcome to Greasy Grandma World. Population? A whole lot, Sonny. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. It's very strange. They exit this world. They enter a new dimension in which large sentient telephones sit on slices of pizza using a tiny human as a telephone to order a chair. <laughs> very strange. <laughs> And you'll notice the voice of these, uh, like here, the, the large telephone, that's Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, and he's also been on uh, Mr. Show and many other things. So that's, uh, that's his voice cameo here. Mm. So they exit this dimension, and Rick and Morty end up in, I don't know, what would you call this, like a Dr. Seuss-type world filled with dodo birds? Yeah, like this kind of like uh, elongated dodos. Which they all yeah. look like idiot birds, basically. Yeah. And this is this is basically the part where um, he pulls his confusion tactic and fires a whole bunch of different portals. It's about time, yeah. Yeah, he pulls off that confusion, yeah, the misleading one. But also at the same time, this is where there's a Gravity Falls reference. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, this is a uh, in this particular episode. You'll notice that uh, one of the portals is a a, a mug, uh, a notebook, and a pen fall out of one portal. Actually, oh, okay, I didn't this, see that. Yeah, this is actually a reference to a Gravity Falls episode, uh, Society of the Blind Eye, where Grunkle Stan opens up a portal and loses his notepad, his pen, and a mug. Because, oh, wow, okay. Because uh, Justin Roiland, he's voiced some characters on Gravity Falls, but he's also his friends with Alec Hirsch, who also makes uh, Gravity Falls. And, yeah, I think apparently they had this idea where they wanted to kind of connect it in some sort of pseudo way uh, and this is one of the kind of hidden references they actually put into the show, where if you watch an episode of Society of the Blind Eye on Gravity Falls, he loses it and then appears in this episode, which I think appeared like they, they were, these two episodes were kind of close to each other when they were mm -hmm. released. But yeah, that's a kind of subtle reference to the fact that there is another universe where there's other things going on, where Gravity Falls is. Oh, that's great. So it ends up there. That's awesome. Yeah, because apparently they, because they're, 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 they're friends, they did talk about the idea of was it having references in different in their shows. Of uh, there's like some sort of connecting link. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was supposed to be was it a football. This guy wearing a football T-shirt. Like has a football on it. This guy looks like really kind of weird. He actually does appear in this episode. He's in on the bus that looks like a bottle. You see him go by, but he appears in a couple episodes of Rick and Morty. But apparently, I think okay. they're trying to use like uh, there's a reference they're trying to use. Like it's, it's a certain num a numerical number of things like that. Because if you watch Gravity Falls, they love a lot of uh, secret messages and things like that. And they love hiding little messages to fans and notes and things like that. And they're trying, I think, to do the same thing, but cross over to Rick and Morty. But I think for some reason it just didn't kind of gel as well. So this is like the only kind of reference you kind of see from Gravity Falls into Rick and Morty. But yeah, that's, okay, that's very cool. That you, if you watch the episode again, you'll notice uh, briefly it's like a notepad, pen, and a mug that come through a portal. Awesome. Yeah. And this isn't the only crossover with Rick and Morty. Did you get to see the uh, Rick and Morty opening for The Simpsons not too long ago? Uh, yes, I did, because they, I guess they made, they promoted it a lot. But yeah, yeah, I, I saw that one where it's basically, it's, it was like animated up to the point where The Simpsons come in and sit on the couch, and then it swaps over to their animation department, and they animated the rest. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's uh, I, I forget what episode it is, uh, I think it's but the, it's definitely worth seeing. I think it's the final episode of one of the series. 
seasons. Okay, so maybe last season? Yeah, I think it's last season, and they popped up. And just to just briefly mention what happens in that is, uh, I believe they crash land into the Simpsons <laughs> and destroy them. It's not gory. They actually look like splattered paint. Yeah. You know, like that's what they turn into. And, you know, of course, they're freaking out. You know, what do we do? Okay. And uh, Rick gives him a vial that he should use to, uh, you know, get some samples of their DNA and he'll cl- clone them and, and regenerate the Simpson family. But of course, some of Rick's drool was in there. And so what they end up is Simpson clones that are kind of half Simpsons, half Rick. It's very, very strange. But I couldn't believe it. I'm watching it and it's just going on and on and on. And uh, not that it was boring or anything, but I just was so happy that they gave so much time to Rick and Morty. And uh, mm. really, what a what an honor uh, for this uh, little cartoon show that maybe a lot of people hadn't seen up to that point. Mm. Well, because uh, um, Justin Royal is a fan of uh, The Simpsons and a fan of Matt Groening. And if you listen to the DVD commentary, I think he actually has Matt Groening for an episode watching the mm-hmm. watching Rick and Morty doing the commentary, which you know, he had nothing to do with it. He's basically watching it as a fan. But yeah, it, it's great to see that um, how quickly Rick and Morty really has picked up a lot of attention to get to that point. Oh, it's super popular now. I mean, going back to the comic books, you know, I'm trying to collect all of them. It hasn't even been out one year yet. Mm. I cannot find an issue number one. It's in its fourth printing, mm. but a first printing number one will cost you anywhere between 30 and $75. Whoa. And it's not, it's not even a year old. It's crazy, the demand for it. You could probably get uh, an alternative cover to The Dark Knight 3. Because there's so many of them. There's like, I think, 80 different variations or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. You could yeah. probably pick up one of those easier than you could pick up a uh, number one of Rick and Morty. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because I, I have a couple of uh, Dark Knight 3s, but uh, yeah, no Rick and Morty number one. I have the third and fourth printing, but uh, it's just a, a amazing how popular that this show is now. And uh, rightfully so. Rightfully mm. so. Mm. I mean, like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see that they they're able to animate their own style into the Simpsons. Uh, yes. Because what I read about it was that they basically, as soon as they crash through and there's that huge smoke that covers this, uh, the, incar- the entire frame, it's basically their animation department taking over and animating it their way. That's why the Simpsons look... The Simpsons, if you look at the line work in the Simpsons, it's a little bit different. It, it matches uh, the Rick and Morty line work. But yeah, it, it's, it's great that they actually got picked up so quickly and they've gotten so popular. But at the same time, I think the Simpsons know that, you know, it, to, to a certain degree that they can't last any longer. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not bagging The Simpsons. I like seeing Rick and Morty in there, but it's like even The Simpsons, you know, they've had so many more um, guest uh, artists on the show in the past couple of years, if you noticed. Yeah, uh, I think it was that season too, because there was uh, Don Hirschfeld, I think, did one. Oh, so and, good. And uh, Bill, Bill Plimpton did one. And I believe, like you said, that was the season finale. Yeah. And I think the Bart Simpson clone said, no more guest animators, yeah. man, or something like that. Yeah, well, they're all looking like Cronenbergs. <laughs> the John K one is awesome, too. Mm. The artist that does Ren and Stimpy. I know. That's the, like, these are my favorite artists like from back in the day, especially Don Hertzfeld. Seeing Rick and Morty kind of uh, excel to this level really quickly it's 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 amazing all right well at this point we are going to take a short break we are going to pay some bills uh, scott yeah i actually got an idea um let's not look at the ads because i'm sure people are bored of listening to ads all the time but hey why don't we check out the uh, parallel universe podcasts uh sure i guess we can check out what's happening at hitting play and other universes why not yeah it's pretty easy just hit that function on your keyboard here there, and then I just turn on this app on my phone, and 
Here we go. So what we're looking at is really like a beautiful 18th century table. I think the, I think the final value that he um, offered us. Hey, okay. Uh, I mean, was it, it was like 17th century. Different. I, I don't think wait. It was 17th are we, century. Are we talking about and, uh, 16th century? Antiques roadshow? Wood looks like. I mean, yeah, it sounds yeah, like it. He have to have a craft. Like not, everybody is into I antiques. Mean, like a universe of antiques. Early on. Well, it's normal to them, I guess. Mm, okay. Uh, different types. Let's try another one. Moment, I guess you could say, uh, not so much of the action, but of the emotional arc. Uh, Jack and Rose are at the end of the boat, and you know, saying, "I'm, I'm the king hmm. of the world," and that's, you know, I'm, right, I'm talking about Titanic, but uh, that, yeah, that's true. Wait, yeah, where are the humans? Exactly. Why is it just you? Their bonds. It's just me. And, uh, <laughs> You're a dog, evidently. Kind of play out until I think it's just me in a world of dogs. Way, uh, as we'll see later. And on, you still have a podcast? How'd you manage that? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm getting weird out. Also, because I actually haven't seen the movie, so I don't want it to be ruined. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Maybe one more. Okay. I thought it was hilarious that, uh, you know, I, I, the Bronze Cube going to Matt Damon for uh, that hilarious comedy, The the, the Martian. I, I, I think uh, he was on point. I thought I was rolling in the aisles. Or I, I, I hope you're joking, because it, I didn't find it funny at what all. I world? don't know if growing a potato Wait, is that... funny in the United Wait, States, but... Is that me doing I, a... Am I, I doing an impression? It was... The, the comedy was all Is that me? There. Wait, who's who? Wait, am I... Wait, is that Scott, but I sound like me doing an impression of an American? But here, I think I the mean, Scott here was, is Australian and the Hamish here is American. Got, like, so wait, do people in left this behind. universe just have like really bad accents <laughs> Roy, of their Roy. own country? Um, or are they swapped? I don't know. Down I think here, the poles are flipped. What the heck is it? Was it Bronze Cube? Frankly, we don't see it as a comedy. Hmm. Tell you what, this is a bad idea. Just hit escape on your keyboard and I'll just switch off this app. Here. Okay, I, I guess we better get back to the podcast. And let's never talk about this again. Yeah, good idea. All right, so back to this episode. Like we were saying, uh, Rick at this point does this uh, diversionary tactic, firing a line of six more portals next to the one he just came out of. So now there's seven. He exits through the last one. And uh, the police Ricks come out and they're completely confused. Hmm. So... The police Ricks now, they're dismayed that they've completely lost them. Meanwhile, we see that Rick and Morty have ended up in another dimension. Now there's sentient chairs sitting on people while holding a slice of pizza and using it like a telephone to order telephones. <laughs> this is one of these things where explaining it is very hard. It's just you have to see the episode to see all of the different combinations of these elements. It's very, very funny. But instead of exiting now, Rick and Morty decide to stay a little while. And as they walk down the street, we see a little more of this living chair world, including uh, an upholstery store, which is the chair world version of a clothing store. I think there's even a, a homeless chair, and he's drinking out of a little dump truck, it looks like. Mm. Now, as they walk down the sidewalk, Morty asks Rick if the accusations are true, if Rick is really killing alternate versions of himself. You know, Rick is so unpredictable and keep so much information from Morty, I wouldn't blame Morty for asking. But Rick assures him in this case he is innocent, but someone out there is killing other Ricks, and they need to find out who it is. So Morty tells Rick that he's scared. He says, you know, why don't we just go back home and stockpile weapons like that show Doomsday Preppers? <laughs> 
and Rick tells Morty it would be no good because the house is probably swarming with Ricks at that very moment. And sure enough, we cut back to see a group of alternate Ricks, along with their Mortys, stationed at the Smith home. And they're almost like uh, cops in a movie, you know, like uh, there's uh, one on, on a machine connected to the phone and they, they tell Jerry that if anybody calls, he has to keep them on the line for 30 seconds or longer. And uh, despite the intrusion, it's funny because Beth seems to enjoy the alternate versions of her father and brings them out a tray of lemonades. And the uh, alternate Ricks are very polite to Beth. They really appreciate uh, the, the care that she's showing. Yeah, I mean, was it? Rick was uh, missing from her life for so long, and now she's basically surrounded by uh, everybody who's basically her father. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, it's a different idea of, like, spending time with your father, but spending time with your father on a multiple scale, and they all have different jobs, and they have, like, different personalities in a certain way, but they all have a certain job as well, and they all seem to enjoy having her around, too. You know, (laughs) especially the part where she brings... um, it brings them some lemonade and she answers them in the exact same tone or his burping manner as uh well as Rick. Yeah, she burps and they they're all cracking up. She did it. <laughs> like, ah, she did it. Ah. Like it's hilarious. But apparently Sarah Chalk can actually burp on command. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. This is in the commentary where they found that cuz Justin Roiland apparently he can't burp on command, but she can. <laughs> I can do it. It's 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 easy. It's fun. again one of these things I learned when I think I was twelve years old. Yeah, I can do it too. I used to be able to burp the alphabet. All right, if you want to try right now. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be so rude to do that to our audience. Hey, we're just we're showing off a skill here. Well, anyway, just then the phone rings and Jerry's given the okay to answer it. <laughs> Excuse me. He picks up the phone and it's Rick <laughs> calling him. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ah, uh, you did it. It's a skill I'm not going to develop. In future episodes, so nobody worry about that. Why not? <laughs> I have too much time on uh, my hands. I think that's my problem. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I was saying, the phone rings. Jerry's given the okay to answer it. It looks like this very tense moment. He picks up the phone and he hears Rick. Rick tells Jerry that the heat's on him and him and Morty are just going to fly straight into a black hole. And Jerry freaks out. He's screaming, no, Morty. And one of the Ricks tells him that they traced the call and it's coming from inside the house. And in the background, we see one of the Ricks has called that phone from the kitchen. And all of the Ricks, except for one, begin to start laughing at Jerry. It just seems that another common trait amongst the alternate Ricks is making fun of their son-in-law, Jerry, which is pretty funny. I like also subtly, if you look to the left of the scene when um, Jerry's on the phone, that's actually the first time you see Doofus Rick. Yes, yes. That was the one that did not laugh. And we're going to see a Mm. lot more of Doofus Rick later. So back at the chair world, Rick and Morty are sitting at a table in a restaurant. Uh, Rick tinkers with his portal gun. And uh, because the human and chair relationship is backwards, we see that Rick and Morty, along with living chairs at other tables, are all sitting on, I guess, awkwardly posed people. (laughs) And in the commentary, they talked about this dynamic. Uh, It just seems as though the chairs are alive. And just like chairs are not alive in our universe, these are basically things that look like people. They're not living creatures. They're not living people. But they're just objects that look like people. Yeah. Imagine if they actually build them. Like, do they build humans? Evidently so. Like, like when the chair people are born, they... They're built. Like, you get a piece of wood and then you turn it into a, I don't know, a couch. 
Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know if they, the their chairs are organic and the chair people are inorganic and have to build to each other to reproduce. I, I don't know. It's not really a flushed out universe, as we can tell. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So anyway, Rick tells Morty that the alternate Ricks at the Smith home are probably messing with Jerry right now, but when they get bored with that, they'll be on to them. And, you know, of course he's correct. He knows himself better than anybody else. And just then, a chair waiter brings Rick and Morty their meals. I love this. Phones a la clams and phones sketty with phone balls. Uh, Rick also asks for more phone sticks, which is this world's version of breadsticks. I don't know even how you <laughs> eat those. Like, is that seems like is it actually phones? <laughs> yes. Like, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing the breadstick or phone sticks are, are probably the safest bet to eat. They look like they were made out of bread. Yeah, but. Uh, the, the phone sketty and phone balls is pretty much phones with sauce. I guess you could eat the sauce off the phones if you're Morty, but yeah. Now, Morty tells Rick that he was afraid that all of the alternate versions of themselves devalued their relationship, but then he realized that it must be pretty special that it's extended over all those different timelines. And here we get uh, some bad news for Morty. Rick tells him that the Rick and Morty dynamic has to be that way because the Morty serves as a camouflage for the Rick. Uh, evidently, Ricks have a very distinctive and traceable brainwave because of their genius, and the best way for them to hide from their enemies is to stand near someone with complementary brainwaves that render theirs invisible. And we see Rick then draws a diagram on a napkin showing exactly how the genius waves get cancelled out by the Morty waves. <laughs> Pretty funny. At this point, Rick's portal gun begins to beep, and Rick finds out that it was remotely hacked by the real killer to frame him. And that's why, you know, when it was placed in that computer, it said that he had been to places he had never been, including the 27 crime scenes. So Rick was fortunately able to trace where it was hacked from remotely and tells Morty that they should go. Uh, just then, the police Ricks, along with the Morty, enter the restaurant looking for them. That's it. So the guards come in. And just so that he explains, he has to explain to the uh, waiters, like, all right, there's some guys who look just like us, just to make sure that you don't, you know, mix us up. I'm going to put a red X on us. So if we get yeah. to a situation where it's like, you have to kill one of us and we're in a fight, where are the guys with red Xs? Yeah, a very nice statement on that old TV and movie trope, mm. you know, shoot him. No, shoot him. It's just like, nope, we're not even going to deal with that. There's a red X on all of our foreheads. Mm. So let's just avoid all that stuff. <laughs> So yeah, th those police Ricks, uh, they run over to what they think is Rick and Morty posing as chairs, only to find out it's an old lady and a bearded man wearing their clothes. They look out the window to find a naked Rick and Morty exiting in their police vehicle. I think actually, Although I, th I think he had pants on. Did he? Well, at least Rick had his undershirt on. I know that. Yeah. So yeah, as they run out to try to catch them, I love the, the waiter chair tells him, you know, you didn't pay your bill. And one of the Ricks points at his forehead. The Red X! The Red X! <laughs> Which is funny because the, the immediate shot next is a planet with two rings crossing over each other, which make a Red X. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So we next cut to the location of Rick's portal gun hacker. It's a distant green planet with two perpendicular rings around it. Uh, as Rick and Morty land, we find out that they had stopped at a space outlet that just happened to carry the exact clothes they lost. <laughs> Well, like, Rick keeps saying, like, how great it is. Isn't it wonderful we found a place that had those clothes? And Morty's like, yeah, I know. Just, just, you just keep talking about it. 
Like, totally copping to the idea, like, oh, wait a minute, these characters lost their clothes. Uh, they went to a space outlet and bought some more. Yeah, and he's just overselling the joke, going like, oh, man, it was, <laughs> I, how, how coincidental was that? Eh? Eh? I guess also just to explain the fact that they're back in their own clothes again. And they yes. never do explain that in other shows, where it's just like, oh, this character has lost their signature outfit, but apparently they have it again. Right. So we see that the surface of this planet is very dark and swampy. Uh, evidently, this Rick wanted to remain hidden. And Morty remarks that if he is a Rick, why doesn't he just have to stand by a Morty to hide? Since that's what Mortys are anyway, just human cloaking devices. You know, Morty's very annoyed by the uh, this revelation that that's all his role really is. And uh, Rick tells Morty, yeah, you're making a bigger deal out of it than it is. Mm. And just then, uh, this is a very, very disturbing, probably the most disturbing moment of the entire series. They approach this large, foreboding structure. It's a giant glass dome with spikes at the top and around the base. And as they approach, we hear this loud groaning coming from it. As they get closer, it becomes very disturbing. We see that there is a matrix, a grid of hundreds of screaming Mortys attached to the exterior, constantly being stabbed in the sides by these automated metal pokers. Uh, they're bleeding, they're in agony, and they're just screaming. It's a uh, it's a terrible visual. Morty asks Rick, you know, why would someone do such a horrible thing? And Rick explains that well, one Morty is enough to hide from the bureaucrats, but if you arrange a whole matrix of them and put them in agonizing pain, for example, that creates a pattern that can hide even from other Ricks. And uh, Rick, I love, he even admits that you know he once fiddled with a concept like this, and Morty's just shocked, and he's like, on paper, on paper. But he's just like, but still, was it? He also had, he mentioned something else as well afterwards. It's like, it's like, I'd never do that to you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's actually showing some empathy. I was like, you know, I, I feel, I feel around this idea on paper. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it to you. You know, just that, you know, his design's really crude and you know, awful. Let's yeah. say he's just complaining about the design, even though he's already thought about using him as a cloaking device. <laughs> Putting him in pain yeah. to enhance his powers, I guess. Mm. So back at the Smith house, we see Beth is making coffee for the alternate Ricks, and one stays behind to talk to Jerry. And as we mentioned before, this is a character known as Doofus Rick. Uh, we notice that this Rick looks a little different. His eyes don't really line up properly. He has large front teeth and a bowl cut haircut. He uh, greets Jerry very kindly. But Jerry, of course, annoyed from the day's events, he's been pestered all day. He just asked to be left alone. And <laughs> I just, I love how this version of Rick seems very interested in what Jerry does for a living. Mm. He's so just enthralled by the idea that he does advertising. And Jerry's just very skeptical saying, you know, like, are you messing with me? But as we find out, this Rick is actually very kind and genuinely enjoys Jerry's company. And also, for some reason, he is paired with a Morty that looks like Eric Stoltz from the movie Mask, who we, uh, we cut to seeing playing cards with the other Mortys at a table. It's, it's a great <laughs> reference, isn't it? For sure, it's based off the idea of Back to the Future and how Eric Stoltz was the original pick for Morty. Not Morty, God. Marty. <laughs> Marty, yeah, back to, in the right. original Back to the Future. So yeah, it's a good kind of it's a good gag. I mean, yes, you have to read that's into funny. it, but yeah, it's a good yeah. gag. So we also see that he is often made fun of and bullied by the other Ricks. Uh, they accuse him of eating poop quite often. He's the self-described worst Rick of them all. 
But after his kind words, Jerry calls him, no, the best Rick of them all. <laughs> They're really starting to get along. <laughs> it's it's because every time he's dealt with um with Rick, just any Rick, they've always cut him down. For yeah. any any of Jerry's achievements, is cut down. <laughs> it's because you because yeah, Jerry yeah, he, he leaves himself open for like yeah, you know, just any kind of any any kind of insult at all. And so when he meets this one guy, he's like you know he's very genuinely interested in what he does. Like wow, you, you tell people like what to buy and then, and then they buy them. Wow, it's it's really cool, Jerry. <laughs> so back on the distant planet we see rick and morty walking through these strange alien quarters inside of the hideout morty is furious at rick loudly telling him that he does not care about him at all that he's nothing but a tool or an object and you know rick is telling him to be quiet but morty tells rick that he's more than a human shield <laughs> to this rick agrees that he's a a perfect impenetrable suit of human armor because he's as dumb as rick is smart Adding that when he tells Morty to shut up, it's really good advice. So, you know, Rick is really getting annoyed here and uh, letting that uh, annoyance get the best of him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And Morty, I love Morty's face here. <laughs> he just looks at him and pouts and we just see these tears well up in his eyes. Yeah, just because he's laying down some truth. <laughs> poor, poor Morty takes so much abuse through this series. Yeah, but that's the thing about, about with, um, with Rick. I mean, I guess it's like if you're against someone who is basically yourself, and yet there's another version of yourself which wants to do more harm to other versions of yourself, then you can understand that you are both probably thinking the exact same way of how to defeat yourself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I guess, you know, sure. with Rick, he's basically got a lot of things on his mind right now, and, you know, Morty isn't one of them. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, as they stand here, they're having this exchange. They start to be surrounded by this large group of purple crab-like aliens. And Rick is able to defeat the first wave, uh, but he's a little exhausted. And now this second group arrives. But just then, we hear clapping in the distance. And they are approached by Evil Rick and Evil Morty. They are the alternate Rick and Morty that we saw at the onset of the episode. The Rick with the black shirt, the facial scar accompanied by the Morty wearing an eye patch. So now as Rick and Morty are being carried down a hallway by the crab-like aliens, Rick tries to formulate an escape plan, but Morty is still mad at him and he's just refusing to help, calling him a monster. And Evil Rick instructs Evil Morty to take Morty away. So as, as the two Mortys walk away from the group, Morty asks Evil Morty if there's a way to shut down the grid outside and rescue all of the Mortys in pain. And Evil Morty tells him that it would be pointless because Mortys have no chance of defeating a Rick. <laughs> it's just one of these universal truths or multi-universal truths. And I like how he sounds so weary about it too. Like it's actual yeah. fact. Like it's like, uh, yeah, Mortys don't have a chance of beating a Rick. Like I said, it's just like, you know, it's as if it's fact. There's no other way around it. Yeah. A door opens, and Morty is sealed into a room filled with other Mortys all hunched over. They're filthy and starving. Uh, One farts. (laughs) (laughs) Just just (laughs) cuz. Now, meanwhile, in Evil Rick's control room, Rick is now strapped to a table. And Evil Rick enjoys the sound of the screaming Mortys outside, even calling it his symphony. And uh, just a stupid little joke here. Rick remarks that, hey, he'll take it over Mumford and Sons. And then the crab alien laughs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He drops a couple of jokes on this mm. this crab alien laughs. And eventually Evil Rick is like, no, that's just a noise he makes like every 10 seconds. 
<laughs> I like how disappointed he's like, ah. Yeah, he was really loving the fact that he had an audience. He was like, this guy's getting it. Now, Evil Rick tells Rick that he wanted to be found because he views the two of them as not so different. And he shows on a display that he compiled this list of all of the alternate Ricks and arranged them from most evil to least evil. And I guess the two of them are only two spaces apart on the spectrum. I think they're one space apart because there's that one Rick. He's like, see this Rick? He's weird. That's it. There's like one Rick in between both of them. Now, Rick asks him if he's going to team up with him to take down the Council of Ricks, but Evil Rick tells him that his only plan is to download the contents of his brain, then kill him. So back at the Smith home, we see that Doofus Rick and Jerry are now getting along very well. (laughs) They are in Rick's laboratory in the garage and just combining chemicals to make a pan of ovenless brownies. You really hope those are brownies, by the way. From the earlier comments saying he eats... <laughs> yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah, you hope they're brownies from the other comments the other Ricks have said you know, about him eating his own waste. You know, I never even made that connection until I watched the commentary. And I think it was Dan Harmon that uh, mentioned, you know, this is actually brownies. This isn't poop, you know, but uh, maybe that's even where they got the idea of saying that he eats his own poop because he's been enjoying these ovenless brownies that he concocted. Mm. And Jerry feels so close to Doofus Rick that he now invites him into his room to show him his collection of R2-D2 quarters. <laughs> and Doofus Rick is very kind. He tells Jerry, well, he's not going to tell him that these will increase in value or even hold their current value. But, you know, he bought them because he likes them. They had value to him, and that's what matters. <laughs> Jerry just looks at him, teary-eyed, and asks, how long are you staying? <laughs> It's like until they find find uh, Rick. It's like I found mine. He's so yeah. He's, he's so emotionally. He's he, Jerry's really has to see a therapist. He really does. <laughs> I like how he just instantly accepts that this this Rick is the one he wants 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 in his life. That's his Rick. Yeah, that's his Rick. This is the father in law he's always wanted. <laughs> Now, back in Morty's holding cell, we see that Morty is approached by a tattoo-faced order of Morty monks, and they believe in a prophecy of the one true Morty that will save them. And Morty runs to the center of the room, he stands on a box, and he announces to all the other Mortys that he is Morty Smith from Earth Dimension C-137, and he begins to give this impassioned speech, telling them that they are not defined by their relationships to their Ricks, and that their destiny is their own. And the Mortys in the crowd agree... Including a hammer, Morty. Which is very strange. (laughs) I'm Morty just a hammer. We'll see a little more of Hammer Morty towards the end. But they all agree with this speech, and there's more that they want to do with their lives than just be some sort of human shield for their ricks. And so they cheer, they carry Morty, and they identify him as the one true Morty that has come to save them. And a guard alien now opens the door to tell them to keep it down. (laughs) But now, this is a great visual, all of the angry Mortys charge him and run out of the cell. So we cut back to Evil Rick's control room. Evil Rick is sifting through the contents of Rick's mind. And as Rick now is strapped to the table and watching these old memories of him and Morty, you know, and Morty as a little kid, he begins to tear up. It really uh, means a lot to him. And Evil Rick even notices this, uh, you know, welling in his eyes and calls him pathetic, saying that, you know, if there's one truth in the universe, it's that Ricks don't care about Mortys. And just as he finishes this sentence, all of a sudden, this army of angry Mortys 
burst through the doors and start attacking all the alien guards. They rush Evil Rick and they pile on top of him and they're just punching and kicking and taking him down. Prior to this, there are scenes from his memories of him with uh, a baby Morty. But the thing is, he was supposed to be absent the entire time before Rick was a baby. Yeah. So, again, part of the whole ongoing mystery of the whole show, which is this whole overarching story, is that there's something else going on with, I guess, Rick and his life. Because Rick was supposed to be absent for most of Morty's life, and then he's come back. So, him holding him as a child, it's like, what happened here? So, that's why you start getting confused, like, is this the real Rick from this time period, or is this another Rick from a different time period? Or maybe it's a different Morty, these parallel universes. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't know. We don't know who is actually who, especially even with the what dimension they're from, as we talked about earlier. Mm. Who knows if Rick came back as somebody else? All we see is the hands, the arms, picking up this toddler version of Morty. We don't really know at this point, and maybe that's something they'll revisit. It wouldn't surprise me mm. to see them do something like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think that way. Plus, also, Evil Rick, and how'd he actually come about? He just seems so energized to try and fight these Mortys. Yeah, like he, but then he even says, kill me, go ahead, kill me. Yeah, yeah, he's like that. He's like, what you got, bring it on. And he's like, getting, he's getting beaten down. It's like he's not even afraid of death. <laughs> he's just, he goes out guns blazing as he gets piled on by Mortys. Yeah, it's just a, a hilarious visual. It almost mm. reminds me of uh, Return of the King towards the end, that army of the dead that uh, just <laughs> swarms and takes down everything in their path. Mm. And Morty, our Morty, reluctantly walks up to the table and frees Rick. And something telling here, Rick immediately, first thing he does is run up to the control panel and disables the grid outside that was holding all of the Mortys captive in in pain. So, you know, it, it, it really did touch his heart. He does love Morty, mm. uh, even if he doesn't really want to admit it. And uh, we get a quick exterior shot. All of the freed Mortys kind of squeaking as they slide down the side of the glass dome. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I I think it's great for the animation department and design department. So basically, because obviously the the, the, um, Cassidy belt thing yeah, I'm trying to be very PG about this. Um, they animate in such a way where, like, that when they're sliding, it, it's not just they're just going down flat with arms open, legs open. No, they're kind of like turning and moving <laughs> in a certain way to cover it up. Or if there's like another yes. body covering another one, so it's like the animation part of that uh, worked really well. <laughs> Logistically, I'm sure it was a challenge to animate that, and uh, yeah, they did a, a very good job at uh, meeting that challenge. So Rick then picks up a phone and calls the Smith home. And he asks one of the alternate Ricks, What do me and OJ not have in common? I found the real killer. This is pretty funny. <laughs> so back in Jerry's room, we see that he and Doofus Rick are now making a castle out of Legos. <laughs> and uh, just like parents telling, you know, their kids it's time to go, the other Ricks come in and, you know, say, all right, that's it. But uh, Jerry wants him to stay. <laughs> and Doofus Rick tells him that it's best if they both return to their lives. And they share a very warm embrace and Doofus Rick tells Jerry that he loves him, and he leaves. Now back in Evil Rick's lair, we see the army of Mortys continuing their rampage, including that Hammer Morty using his face to just gruesomely crush these alien guards. It looks like he has some, like, green goo on his face. (laughs) Now portals begin to open up, and police Ricks enter along with members of the Council of Ricks, and uh, they bring towels to drape on them on their shoulders of the Mortys as they bring them back home. And they tell Morty that these Mortys will have to go on with their lives, playing video games and dating girls along with the activities of a normal Morty, now that they have no Ricks to, you know, bring them on adventures. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're reckless. Yeah, they have to have grow up, have a life, date a girl. <laughs> so we next cut to the Citadel where Rick is apologized to by the Council of Ricks for the false accusations. And in reparation for their mistake, they present Rick, they, you know, they bring out this golden box and they present him with a voucher for a free replacement Morty. <laughs> we see that Morty's on his face. He's a little annoyed at hearing this, but as they continue to explain what the voucher is actually used for, you know, Rick is trying to give them the, you know, the cutoff signal, trying to tell them to stop talking, saying that it's, you know, not a good time. So Rick tells Morty, you know, that it's time to go. And when Morty's not looking, he quickly snatches the Morty voucher from the council member's hmm. hand. As they leave the council of Rick's building, Morty reprimands Rick for not really changing his personality throughout this whole adventure. You know, there's not really an arc here saying that he could have taken the time to connect with him on some sort of emotional level, even a little bit. But Rick explains that maybe he is just the way he is because he is the Rickest Rick of all the Ricks. And maybe then his Morty is the Mortiest Morty of all the Mortys. And Morty's actually quite taken with that title of being the Mortiest Morty of all the Mortys. <laughs> But Rick warns him not to think too highly of himself, adding that a cocky Morty can lead to some big problems in the future, and it can be a real bad thing for everybody. <laughs> Morty asks for an explanation, but Rick tells him that he'll explain when he's older. Now, was that a reference to something? Well, like the future Morty or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this, this show is it's sci-fi and leaves itself up to interpretation. So maybe there's something else. Maybe he's from a, a timeline where you know uh, Morty did become... A genius. Maybe he's the uh, Rick of the evil Morty because we don't know. They're leaving mm. up to interpretation. But yeah, I just like as soon as uh, Morty gets this like a bit of like courage to think about himself as the Mortyest Morty, Rick cuts him down instantly. <laughs> it's like yeah, the Mortyest Morty. And he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, true. they walk up to a wall and they fire the pole gun. Yes, and they they end up exiting the Citadel. Now we cut back to Evil Rick's control room where we see a group of Ricks investigating the scene. Uh, it's almost like their uh, crime scene investigation unit of Ricks. And uh, they're taking photos of Evil Rick's body. And as they turn Evil Rick's head to the side, they notice an open wound on his head with sparking wires sticking out. Uh, they cut open the top of his skull, revealing all of th this technology inside of his head. Now, at first I thought he was some sort of robot, but they clarify in the commentary saying that he's more of a cyborg. He was more uh, under the control of somebody else. Because if you notice, he has a bloody, you know, scratch on the side of his face. He's also in a pile of his own blood, too. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> he's a flesh and blood organism, yeah. Yeah, it's just that, you know, someone's done all the um, inner interior work and yes. retrofit him with all this uh, equipment. One of the Ricks now pulls a chip out. It was behind his eye. One of the Ricks remarks that he has seen this technology before and that this Rick was being controlled remotely. He was being puppeteered by somebody else. They, they called this chip the receiver, but another Rick asks, yeah, but where's the transmitter? We next cut to the large group of Mortys entering the Citadel, and we see evil Morty remove his eye patch, revealing the other blinking chip connected to wires behind his eye. And he stomps on the eye patch, crushing it, and he just kind of tucks the loose wires back into his eye socket as he joins the Mortys as they're loaded onto transport ships and flown back to their individual worlds. Mm. And from here, we cut to the closing credits. So wh what did you make of this ending here? It's got better writing than other shows I'd seen. 
Because <laughs> you think it could just end up like, oh, yeah, then they stop the Rick and then they escape. But yeah, I, I thought adding that layer of mystery, because again, you, you've already got this whole setup in series one about parallel universes, mm-hmm. uh, altered dimensions, and you know, the fact that they can easily leave one dimension and replace, it, uh, replace themselves in another dimension. So it kind of feeds back to the idea of like, well, yeah, there's a Rick and there's a Morty out there, which can be evil. And then there's a Morty who's, you know, still out there doing evil things and controlling things, who seems to be, I'd say, smarter than Rick. And that's yeah. the thing I think the comment feeds back into. Was it uh, a Morty with, was it Morty of self-esteem? I'll tell you when you're yes. older. Something like that. Yes, yeah, that's so, right. A cocky Morty, yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is the cocky Morty and uh, Rick actually understands that. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, I thought it was a really good turn. I mean, it did add that level of kind of mystery to the whole universe of like, you know, will we actually meet this under Morty? We don't in Series 2. Series 2, we don't get to meet this Morty. But who knows? They can always bring him back, like the, the Me 6 box, if, yeah. if they need to. But um, yeah, this show is so sci-fi that I think they're allowed to do whatever the heck they want, Yeah, really. But no, I, I like that ending. I like the fact that, you know, there's this smarter intelligence out there. And again, it kind of feeds into the whole idea of Doctor Who having, like, if you have, in Doctor Who, if you have, like, two time lords especially the master and the doctor and they go against each other they always have one idea above another guy's idea especially if you see in the new series new series new old series the old series uh the series with david tennant when the master came back uh the master instantly knew how to control the tardis and like block it from being controlled by his uh sonic screwdriver i was able Mm -hmm. to lock the door control it and then fly off into space and time and change things and he also turned the tardis into a paradox machine and that's the thing it's like it's good to have that kind of back and forth. Like you can't just have Rick being the Rick all the time. There has to be something else. And one of this, what happens if the smartest person there is is a Morty? And even he knows it. Like out of all the variables, there's one. Out of all the idiots, there's always one in super intelligent one. Because right, remember, right. We, we saw the um, doofus Rick, and so maybe this is the smartest uh, Morty. Right. Yeah. So maybe they're supposed to be paired up together, and that's why he hasn't. You know. He said he lost his... Because the other doofus, Rick, said he lost his Morty and got given uh, the Eric Stoltz Morty. So maybe oh, okay. he he's supposed to be partnering up with uh, that Morty. Oh, very interesting. Okay, and that would explain why he had to create his own Rick or engineer mm. his own Rick out of <laughs> some other Rick. Yeah. Very that or, you know, he kidnapped a, a, a normal Rick and just uh, retrofitted him with uh, all these electrodes and made him evil. Yeah. So, can so happen. he's still out there. Yeah, I mean, look at Rick's uh, personality. He doesn't seem to give a heck about anything really yeah. especially when you have like an entire theme park inside of a hobo <laughs> yes anatomy park yes yeah anatomy <laughs> park it, it seems like he has no real there's no real stopping point for him it's like oh how can i make money oh i could do this oh man this would be cool just yes, keep no, going no regard for life in its many forms mm. but no I, I like i like the fact that they add a little bit more mystery to the show even though it's already sci-fi and so out there yeah and a nice uh, music cue there. Uh, I believe it's a band named Blonde Redhead. Hmm. And Justin Roiland uh, cut it together with this music. He really uh, thought it added to the, the mood of it. And it was, uh, yeah, very nicely done. Yeah. It's like the second time they use that kind of, uh, I guess, emotionally charged music uh, since the that Cronenberg episode where <laughs> Rick and Morty switch over and then Morty's completely just like, what? Like he's he's basically got this kind of shell shock on his face as he's walking through his house, which is still intact. Everyone's still alive, 
and yeah. nothing has been destroyed. And he's like, what? <laughs> oh, and also he buried himself in the backyard. <laughs> yes, that's a very disturbing. And he has uh, just this haunting line of dialogue that he talks to Summer about, uh, you know, every morning he eats breakfast only feet away from his rotting corpse outside. And it's just, uh, you mm. know, that's a, a great episode. I don't want to give too much of that one away. But mm. now, now, now knowing what we know about this episode, it's funny now going back to the cold open at the beginning. And if you remember when we see the Smith family with Rick and they're all eating breakfast, if you notice, Rick is very nice. Mm. You know, he's saying like, oh, that's okay. You don't have to make, you know, make pancakes for me. And then he's shot in the head. <laughs> so it's like, that should have told us right away. That's not our Rick. <laughs> that's, that's some other universe's Rick. I just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But also it's a really good, um, good, it, it's like, if you've never seen a show and you see that happen, you're like, what the, it really sets you up for what the heck is going to be a bizarre thrill ride. Yes. Of confusing proportions, as long as you pay attention. But yeah, it's just, I think the imagery of just seeing Rick King shone ahead by himself <laughs> is enough to really sell you on the show. It's like, what? There's, <laughs> like, this is insane stuff. But I liked it. I liked that the whole episode was able to cohesively tell a story. But no, I, I think the writing of the show is really, it really gels and really uh, has this kind of bizarre texture to it, but also has a kind of, uh, a real soul to it as well. So we cut to the closing credits. And in our post-credit scene, every episode has a post-credit scene, we cut to Jerry, he's despondently sitting on the cot in Rick's room with the lights off, and he's still saddened by Doofus Rick's departure. Uh, Rick walks through the open door and greets Jerry with Wubba-lubba-dub-dub, which is a, a reference to another episode. Rick asks Jerry what he's doing in his room, and Jerry just is so sad and almost holding back the tears, saying he was just there to check the smoke detectors, and Rick tells him to get out. So Jerry sadly walks into the dining room. He looks out the window into the dark and rainy night. He looks across the street, and he's surprised to see Doofus Rick standing out there in the rain, staring back at him. And they share a long glance and wave at each other. But, of course, to kill the mood, just then, Rick approaches, makes fun of Jerry for being friends with Doofus Rick, you know, tells him, you know, he eats his own poop, right? <laughs> Takes out his, his phone and he says, like, oh, I have ten other Ricks to call right now. <laughs> I like how he can still be friends with other Ricks. And he has, like a, has a, he has a gang of Ricks they can just hang out with and chit-chat with. Yeah, I mean, the, there was the scientist formerly known as Rick. He probably got along with him, but there's, I'm sure there's other you know, uh, aberrations to the Rick dynamic, like himself, that are rogues and don't uh, like to play around with the council and everything. So, yeah, sure, there's other Ricks out there he gets along mm. with. But also, if you notice, uh, back in Rick's room, I think he comes in and he drops off some marbles or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. On the wall, there's all of these references to the other, pa other past episodes, but also as a reference to his car battery, which is on the wall in Series 3, which is a great episode. If you ever see it, it has Stephen Colbert in an episode. It's basically his universe battery, where, like, there's a universe inside that battery which charges his car, and inside that universe is another universe charging him. It's like, it's, it's, it falls into itself. It's a great um, episode, yes. Yes, series two, it's great. But um, also, there's a photo of Avidolf Linkler. Yes. He appears in the um, last episode of this series, but yeah, he, he first appears in that as an image. And so, it's like kind of references to other things that are going on. Uh, there's a Meeseeks in there, too, I think. Yeah, Meeseeks box, which yeah. is drawn on the wall, and also the, um, what was it, the Dr. Paramecium? Oh, I didn't see that. Ah, it's all on the wall. I, I, I paused and had a look at it. Yeah, it has like references to different things. So it's, but it's weird. Like, why would he have? It kind of looks like one of those kind of boards to keep track of things. Like, a you're looking for a, a psychopath or a killer, <laughs> yeah. and they have those kind of boards when they have like the wires connecting to it and stuff like that in the, you know, string. It looks like that. So that's the kind of mystery. Of, like, is he trying to remember what? 
part of the world he's in or what time period he's in or something like that. Yeah, that's what it looks like. He's He just hops between realities, so he might have to just try to keep things in order as much as possible. Yeah, it's keeping track. And also his yeah. bed is just one of those cots, which look like <laughs> it's very temporary. Like yes. they, they, they never expect him to come back. So after that, we cut to the Justin Roiland solo vanity card for his production company. Uh, we also get a clay scene of the... Uh, Harmonious Claptrap, which is Dan Harmon's production company. We also see Starburns Industries, the logo for the uh, production company owned by Dan Harmon and Dino Stamatopoulos, who played a character named Starburns on Dan Harmon's show Community. What? That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's the end of the episode. What a great episode. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a fun joyride of just... It, uh, for series series one uh, episode, yeah, it's really it sets things to a high mark. Yeah, but that means like in series two when they do even more wild ideas, it just makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to believe that this is like uh, relatively tame compared to some of the concepts that uh, we see later on, as you mentioned with the uh, the the micro universes within micro universes. I mean, it just gets wilder and wilder, and mm. uh, very nerdy. I mean, you can really get into uh, some of the uh, more abstract aspects of some of these concepts, but uh, it's uh, it's well done. It's very well done. As crazy and as crude and as dumb as it can be with its humor, there's uh, there's actually some pretty interesting science fiction writing going on within these episodes as well. Mm. So always very fun to watch, even though it's so it's so sci-fi. It's still accessible. You can still watch it. You know, uh, you don't need any kind of backstory. It's not like watching Star Trek and you're like, why are they flying out in space? It's like, oh, because they're on a mission to um, explore. Explore what? Uh, Stuff. (laughs) Anything. Anything someone else hasn't. Anything. Yeah, there's probably episodes where the captain's sitting there going, anything yet? It's like, no. Okay, I'll be in my my room drinking some tea. We can make tea, right? It's like, yeah. Good. We've got everything here. I'm going to be there. And then some guy walks in like, we just met an alien. We did? Great. Yes. Now I'm going to fill out some reports. Good. <laughs> See, I, I, got, I, got nothing, I got nothing wrong with Star Trek. Uh, but I think the movies strip away some of the boring stuff. Where yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, we've come, we've come in contact with another alien life form. Let's talk about this for th- half an hour and have a meeting and then go back and see if we can communicate with the alien. Then think about talking to it and then let's question life. Oh, yeah. It's much more cerebral, and that's something that you do not get in Rick and Morty, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Rick and Morty is basically quick, quick-paced quick sci-fi, but still, you know, it, it's still, if you pay attention, there's a story going on there. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, Star Trek, it's the TV show rather than the movie. Star Trek, the TV show. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of procedural stuff. It's like an actual watching an actual job in space and watching him actually go through the, you know, the order of things like oh we have to actually talk to the aliens and understand them we can't shoot them let's try and understand their culture and you know bridge the peace between our worlds right mm. right i mean yes satrick did have a parallel universe episode and everyone had beards because <laughs> you know and th- apparently they're evil so i also south park an episode where they had a parallel dimension version of uh Cartman turn up who had a beard yeah and Flexo from Futurama and the the twist yeah. was that Bender was the evil one so Flexo was actually like really nice <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's such a stand-up kind of guy um but it's that's the thing it's like yeah parallel dimensions no one actually perceives himself as evil they have an idea and they're trying to achieve it 
Yeah. So yeah, I think guess with um, the same thing with Rick and Morty. It's like, does Rick actually think himself as evil? Does he think he's just a guy doing things? Or, and they all believe themselves themselves to be just like, oh, I'm just getting on with my life. This is how I do things. I do my things this way. It's a it's an interesting thought and mm. uh, something they they definitely explore. And uh, they leave it very open where to the point where we're not sure if they are where they belong or if he is who he says he is. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot they leave open, which is, uh, is very funny. And fortunately, it has been renewed for a third season. And so we uh, definitely look forward to, to seeing those episodes. Yeah, even though we have to wait so long for it. But yeah, it's worth it. The, the writing's on point. They're really trying something different. And they're not really... They're, they're always going um, left when you think they're going to go right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're never really sticking with the popular opinion, like, oh, we should do this. I mean, I know that uh, from uh, other times, I actually do check out, what was it, Twitter and social media and Tumblr, uh, just to make sure they're keeping the fans happy. But at the same time, they're creating something which is very unique and very just out there and insane. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah and it's good that they're on Adult Swim. They're able to pull that kind of stuff off. But no, I, I think it's great. I think it's one, one of those the craziest sci-fi shows. And it really, for, for comedic sci-fi, it, it's really good. Just like in the same vein as uh, Futurama and uh, Red Dwarf. Yep, definitely. Uh, it's up there. One of the greats already. All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, uh, your alternate version of yourself from another dimension, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Hamish, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Silent Hamish. You can find me on Facebook at Silent Hamish Art. You can find me on Instagram at Silent Hamish. Uh, you can find me in Melbourne on the street somewhere. If you want, if you can find me, maybe it's not the real me. Maybe I'm hiring an actor to pretend to be me. Drinking but again, out of a little dump truck? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the world's crazy. Yeah. It might not be me. It might be the other me, the me with the mustache. It might there be me just, you know, being cool, you know. Doofus Hamish. Yeah, it could be doofus. <laughs> I don't think that one exists. There's, there's no such thing as a doofus Hamish. It's never existed. But I know there's probably a pancake Hamish. Actually, that's probably where you could find me in the pancake house, some sort of pancake location. <laughs> and you're on but, Vine uh, as well. Yes, I'm on Vine. I keep forgetting to say Vine. And Vine, Asan Hamish. And everybody, please follow Hamish on Vine. I, I keep telling everybody too. It's just uh, some great uh, humorous cartoons. And uh, not, I guess it's a type of animation that you do, right? It's uh, it, I, I call it faux animation because it looks like it's animated, but it's like puppetry. Yeah, yeah. It's like animation puppetry. It's, uh, it's really great, and everyone should definitely check it out. I am on Twitter as well. There, my name is at uh, MC and Friends. You can follow me there. And I'm also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends. And there, I do little like flip page cartoons and humorous animations. And you can check my stuff out there. And I ask that you please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. And we try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. And we can now be found on TuneIn Radio and coming soon to Google Play. Well, we have been Hamish and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out, McGlipglops! Uh... Just yelling, constant yelling.